today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Mr. Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Who knows all good Italians speak with their hands? Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Who are you? Like a good Italian, Who are you? You know, it's a question that we all ask, isn't it? Who are these people? Who are these people that, that live in my community? Who are these people that I'm sitting with this morning? And one of the main questions we ask, it doesn't take that long to say, Who are you? Seriously. <laughs> Just that, that's your one line. Who are you? You know, the, one of the main questions, one of the main people that we ask that question to is ourselves, isn't it? I don't know who I am is a, is a common statement that I hear. And the next most common statement that I hear after that is I don't know what I am meant to do. I don't know who I am and I don't know what I am meant to do. And there's a real desire, isn't there? There's a desire in each of us to have lives of purpose Lives that are interesting, lives worth talking about. You know, we you know we read we read biographies. I love biographies. I, I read many of them, and uh, I'm reading a biography at the moment about uh, Eric Liddell. Anyone know Eric Liddell, Chariots of Fire dude? You know what I mean? What a what an amazing character! And and uh, you know he was most famously known for um, not running on a Sunday, and uh, and and then he went on to to become a, um, a missionary in China in World War II and ended up dying over there from a, a, a brain tumour. Amazing story. If you, ever, if you ever get the chance to read, um, you know, Beyond the Movie. Great movie, by the way. Who's seen Chariots of Fire? Who in this section has seen Chariots of Fire? <laughs> um, great movie. And uh, it's, it's one of those movies that's pretty well timeless too. And uh, I encourage you... You know, there's not many heroes in today's day and age that that um, that I believe um, are visible uh, in a way that is is great for us to aspire to people like that. And so we need to go searching for great people. And and you know, he's one of those guys who I, I encourage you to, to know a little bit more about. Uh, I want to speak to uh, identity this morning. And you know, I don't know. I, I was picking up the threads through. Um, Benjamin sharing this morning along the way, you know, there's, there's a thread of identity coming through everything that he said this morning because, you know, we, you know it was 2008, we had a, the world financial crisis and I believe we're, there's a new crisis that we're going through at the moment and it's a crisis of identity and we have a world that is, that is seeking to know itself. We have a world that says, I don't know who I am, I don't know what I'm meant to do, so we will look to identify with whatever makes us feel like we, we're, we're a part of something, we're connected to something. And, uh, you know, we see it in every aspect of life. And we see it, you know, we see it in the, in the, the, the social um, policies of our government, you know, shifting how people, I, how people identify themselves. And people, you know, we, there's, a bit, there's obviously the, the, the issue of, of marriage equality on the table at the moment. And we've all got, you know, we've all got our, our ideas and our beliefs in regard to that, you know, because there's a, there's a society that's hungry to know their identity. And I, and I don't know about you, but I grew up hungering and thirsting to know what is a real man? 
you know, I'd look around the church and I go, are these real men? I don't know, you know, they look like they're, you know, super nice guys and who do all this great stuff. But I didn't see a lot of adventure in their lives. And, you know, so my idea of growing up of, of, a, of what manhood was is a man is always on an adventure. And uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes we, we go on physical adventures. Sometimes we go on spiritual adventures. You know, we go on all these different things. And I thought, okay, maybe that's what a man is. But I've got this revelation that at the end of the day, everything begins and ends with God. You know, one of our key verses for the year is, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And, and uh, you know, we know he says, I loved you before you could even think about loving me. You know, it always begins with him. And we know that it's definitely going to end with him. You know, we're going to end in eternal life with him. And, you know, there's a verse that just keeps coming up at the moment, and it's, it's um, Titus 2, 11 to 14. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to that? Good to see our senior leaders in the front row with their paper Bibles. And uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, Titus was a pastor, and uh, he was over on the island of Crete, he was over establishing the church on the island of Crete, which is one of the Greek islands, still called Crete today, if you want to go and visit it. Supposedly a fantastic place to visit. And uh, the Apostle Paul writes a letter specifically to this guy by the name of Titus, who's over there establishing the work. And he asks him to do a few different things. He asks him to establish an eldership in the community. He, he asks him to, to teach the people how to live godly lives. It's quite a, it's quite a profound um, letter in the New Testament that challenges it. it. says, this is what an elder is. This is what an elder does. This is what, if you, and then it goes on in chapter two and it talks about people. It says, this is what men do. This is what women do. This is what children do. You know, if you want to read those things, they're, they're an encouragement to you and they're a challenge to you. And uh, we, we, you know, we'll pick it up this morning on, in verse 11 of chapter 2 where it says this. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And when I say all men, I mean everybody, mankind, people, ladies, gentlemen. See, here's the thing with today. I want to be someone special. I don't want to pay the price. I want it right now. Why isn't it ready yet? This is us, isn't it? We want to be someone special. I want you to find me special. I want you, I, I don't want to do anything particularly special for you to find me special. I just want you to find me special. And I want it right now. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging thing, which we don't, we don't necessarily um, overtly say those things. But in each of us, there's a desire to be loved. But we know that God said, I loved you first. You know, one of the challenges that we're facing in our identity is that we're always looking for our identity and God gives us the model to discover your identity when he says, I loved you first. You see, it's in loving other people. It's in loving God that we discover our own true identity. And I, I just want to unpack that a little bit today. We'll keep going through, through those, um, those scriptures. And... Uh, you know, there's a, there's a book by, by an author by the name of Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. And uh, it's quite an interesting um, study on, on what, it, what it is, what those people who, what we would call outliers, you know, inspirational, very different people in society, what makes them 
who they are. And he comes up with this concept of 10,000 hours. It takes 10,000 hours to become uh, proficient or great or an expert or, or in any field. And all of these people, he goes through different, he goes through the band of the Beatles who, who, who spent thousands and thousands of hours becoming great at, at, at singing their songs and doing all these things. And here's the thing. Every person on the planet is an individual. Have a look at your fingerprint. Now have a look at the fingerprint of the person next to you. you know, they're different. I can't actually see the lines of mine anymore. Um, I don't know if they're worn off or I'm blind, one or the other. I'm going with worn off. But for you to become, um, become an expert, for you to become proficient in business, in communication, in parenting, in, in business, in whatever it is, in, in, in your, your gift, what, whatever it is, your talent, your sport, it takes serious amounts of bulk time, doesn't it? It takes commitment. And 10,000 hours, that's a reasonable number. That requires a reasonable commitment. Here's the thing. There's one aspect of your identity that's very easy to, to, to separate you from everything else, and that's your fingerprint. The other aspects of your identity require a lot of work. You see, God might have given you a gift. He may have given you a dream, but he didn't give you an attitude and a character. He says, oh, you know, I've given you gifts and talents and dreams and visions, but you need to develop your character. You need to develop an attitude. You need to develop those gifts. You need to stir up the gift that is in you, it says in the book of First Timothy. You know, you, you need to stir up those things in you. And as we stir them up, you know, we become, we become those things. We become proficient in those things. We become known in those things. You see, God, he's, this is the thing that God is saying to us today. He's saying, I want all of your heart. Now, God's not just, he's not just selfish. He's not just, he's not petty when he says, I want all of your heart. He's saying, I want all of your heart because when I've got all of your heart, then I can give you much, much more. Because if our heart is wholly and solely his, then we can, then we can be conduits of more and more of his grace and truth and mercy to humanity. You see, God wants to give you the world. He wants to give you everything. But he wants, first and foremost, he wants you to develop your heart. He wants, and how do we give him our heart? Well, we commit ourselves. We commit ourselves to developing our relationship with him. We commit ourselves to developing our attitude and our character and establishing our heart according to his ways, according to his truth. You know, the, the next verse, you know, it says, The grace of God that, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And then the very next verse is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously in this present world. You know, so sometimes we need to, you know, we to accept the grace. You know, some, his grace comes in the form of salvation. His grace comes in the form of gifts. His grace comes in the form of talents. His grace comes in all these different ways. But the way that, you know, the way that we are established in those things is when we deny the flesh, when we deny those things of the world that, that can actually take us away from that amazing grace that he's given us. You see, God is very interested in your identity. That's why he created you. He created you with a different fingerprint and everything else different about you because his image, there's a specific part of God's image that he wants to reveal to the world through you. 
You need to, you, there's, there's, a, there's a work that's involved in discovering that. You know, he, 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 loves, he, he, he loves your identity so much that he sent his son to earth to redeem it. He sent his one and only son to earth to redeem your identity, to redeem your, your eternal identity. Now, the enemy, on the other hand, he's very interested in you not knowing your identity. He wants you to attach yourself to anything other than your true identity in God. He wants you to attach yourself to, to, um, to a, an event, to some sort of sport, some sort of, some sort of career. He wants you to attach your event to a person, to a lifestyle. To, to, he wants to, you to attach your identity to anything other than your true identity. Because see, he's the father of lies and he's come to accuse you. He's like a roaring lion. He wants to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have to come to give you life and life abundantly. So we need to know that, you know, there is a battle on for, for the truth of our lives. There's a battle on for our hearts. Jesus says, I've come to testify to the truth, the truth of who he is and the truth of who you are. You see, in the end, our identity becomes what we identify with. The question for you today is, what do you identify with in life? What do you relate to most in life? See, the things that we relate to, the things that we identify with, they become us. We, see, we read in Proverbs, as a man thinks, so he is. What you identify with, you will become. What you relate to, you become. And then we relate out of that, don't we? So here's the, the great verse that we read in three of the Gospels. It says, love the Lord. The first, someone, someone at some point in the Gospels asks Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? And he says, number one, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Turn to a person next to you and say, I love you. But only as much as I love myself. So there's three, there's three attributes to these great commandments, isn't there? These two greatest commandments, there's three attributes. There is love the Lord, number one. There's love your neighbor, number two. And then there's love yourself, number three. Why don't you just say to yourself right now, I love you. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, we know ourselves better than anybody else. And we know, that we know our worth or lack of worth. Don't we? So it's very easy for us to despise ourselves. It's very easy for us to have pride in ourselves, depending on what we believe our value is. And, and here's the thing. I, will, I want to suggest to you this morning that when you think about yourself, God gives you permission to love yourself, but only within the framework of loving others. You see, if you love yourself outside of loving others, then you will you'll just be a painful person, really, let's face it. But if you, just, if you desire to discover your identity, if you desire a, a love for yourself based on the, the, the desire to love others, then you will find a true identity. You see, it's important that we know that, that, that we are worthy of his love and that you know, as we love ourselves, we can love other people. As you discover your identity, you can engage with the community around you. 
How do we relate to God? How do we relate to other people? How do we relate to ourselves? You know, we, can't, we cannot isolate these, these great commandments from each other. We cannot separate them. They come as a package deal. Someone says, what are, who are, the, what are the greatest commandments, Lord Jesus? And he says, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. We cannot separate these things. So the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The Holy Spirit, we read in Acts chapter 2, was poured out on all flesh. Jesus says, I am at work and my Father is at work. God is always active, everywhere, all the time, not just on those who are Christians, on every person on the planet. You know, we need to keep reminding ourselves that he is always present. He is always available. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is always sufficient. His truth is always perfect. His love never fails. This is the God that we serve. And we need to know that he's dealing with you as much as he's dealing with, with your next door neighbor and, and those people who you think that, that, that um, are outside of God's plan. Do you know what? His grace has appeared to all men. His grace has appeared to all of us. And it, here's the thing, the aspects of God's grace, you know, he, he, first grace brings salvation. And then as we get to know him further, you know, we begin to discover more about ourselves, don't we? Grace is constantly coming toward you. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about his grace? So we've got this God whose, whose grace is coming towards us. And then we've got Jesus. He spent all this time. He showed us his life on earth and then he said, go. And some of us say, oh, but I'm waiting on the Lord to renew my strength. So we're waiting and going at the same time. It's like this contradiction. And, and Jesus is saying, go. And Isaiah is saying, wait. And, 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 and what I'm saying is we need to go and wait at the same time. You know, you're seated in the heavenlies, but you're planted on earth to go. You see, we can wait and go at the same time. Here's, here's, you know, we, we, we have a society that, um, that makes some interesting decisions. You know, I, I look around society and I go, okay, there's not a lot of forethought going into some of these decisions. You know, and, um, you know, I see, I see um, families breaking up. I see, all, I see crime. I see, you know, I see people going to prison for crime all the time and then other people still commit crime. And I go, even though... At the end of the day, you're probably eventually going to end up there. I see you know, people trying the same type of relationship over and over again and it not working, and, but they don't adjust their method of, of relating to the opposite sex. And I think, okay, there's, there's some little things that are out of whack. You know, I see Christians, here's my favourite one, Christians, every time a social law comes up that offends the Christians, we all go crazy, you know what I mean? We start voting and signing petitions and doing all these things. But for everything else... We're as silent as a mouse. When we're offended, we show up. For the rest of the time, we're disengaged. Did you know there's more members of the Collingwood Football Club than there are of the Liberal and Labor Party combined? You see, we have a church that is praying for our nation but not present in our nation. We have a church that is offended with our nation's decisions but not present for any of the other decisions of day-to-day life. Our Prime Minister said you can be a, a lobbyist or a power broker. 
You can have a seat at the table or you can be banging at the door. Which one do you think is going to be most effective? You see, God wants us to be present. He's not saying you need to be present for this party or that party. He's saying be present in my name. I was in Canberra last year and I met, I met um, amazing Christian politicians on, all, on all, of, all of the different parties, all standing for what they believe you know, that God wanted to do through them. I encourage you to be present and to be, to be engaged. Don't be offended. Be engaged in our society. You see, and it's as you engage with society, it's as you engage in Jesus' name that you, you, begin, you begin to influence. You begin to, you begin to discover your true identity. You see, when you understand that the grace of God is on all men, has appeared to all men, then you can actually be present in the world and stir up that grace that is present, that has appeared to them. Now, God wants to do a work through his people, but it requires his people to know who they are, to know how to stand, and to know how to engage. We don't want to be people who are, who are always looking or, or who, are, who are praying but not acting. We don't want to be a people who are waiting and not going. We want to be people who are engaged, who are creating, who are initiating, who are establishing. This is the call that is upon our lives. Jesus said, go, go. You see, the questions that are before you, you can find it or you can create it. You can criticise it or you can initiate it. You can give welfare or you can give development. You can be offended or you can be engaged. These are the options that are before you. You know, I, I encourage you to choose the second option. Choose to create, initiate, develop or engage. You know, why? Because we are co-creators with God. You know, we said he's given us gifts, but he's also given us a choice how we use those gifts. You know, he's given us a dream, but he hasn't given us a character. You know, he's, he, you, know he, he's, you, might, you might be someone who, who, who has leadership on their life, but he hasn't told you whether you want to be in business or in the ministry or in, or in the arts or in, you know what I mean? He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily refine the exact intricacies of what you do. He's given you a free will. He's saying, Go. Make disciples of nations. We don't make disciples of nations in this room. We equip each other in this room and we go out there and make disciples of nations as we engage in our society. In Genesis 37, we read of, of, of Joseph, who has the dream of his, of his brothers and his, um, his family bowing down to him. And uh, then he spends the next 20 years establishing his identity. Do you think it was God's will that Joseph became a slave in Potiphar's house? Do you think it was God's will that Joseph went to prison? Was it God's will that, God, that Joseph did those things or was it God's will that Joseph's character be developed and his capacity to serve become strengthened? You see, isn't like... you know? Isn't influence great? I love, I love being able to influence people. I love speaking to, to, um, to people and, and encouraging them to do more and to be more and to go further. Because it's a, it's a real privilege. Responsibility is actually a privilege. But here's the thing. With every part of responsibility, there's a capacity attached to it. And who knows that, that sometimes we, we accept 
more responsibility, but we don't have a, the capacity to walk in that responsibility. You know, we see God speak to David and, and, and through, through his prophet, he anoints him as king. But right then in that moment, he, he gave him the responsibility, yet he didn't have the capacity to be king yet. He had to walk through, you know, 15 some years of development of his character and learning to honor and learning to, to walk in God's strength. You know, he had to learn. I love that one verse. One of my favorite verses around David was he strengthened himself in the Lord and then get on with the task at hand. You see, see, we get given these dreams and we wonder why our dream is not happening now. I want it now. I want it all now. I want it now. Why isn't it ready yet? Because God's saying, that's your potential. That's your potential identity. He gives you, he gives you a dream and he's saying, see out there, that dream is your potential. Now develop a character. Now deny ungodliness and worldly love, worldly lust and live soberly and righteously in this present world. You know, the reason that we deny ourselves is so that we can stir up that spiritual identity that he's given for us. You see, some parts of your identity are given to you straight away. Some parts are established through relationship, through practice, through putting yourself in tough environments where, you can, where these things can be established and it's not just one thing, is it? You know, we think, what's the one thing that I'm meant to do for the rest of my life? Oh, uh, you think of David. He was a shepherd, then he was a musician, then he was a warrior, and then he was a king. You know, there's plenty of things you can do in life. So if you've changed, if you've changed you know, your main thing in life a few times, that's okay. King David, he was a, he was a man after God's own heart. He did a few different things. See, God, he's, he's saying, don't worry. Your identity is in, not in what you do. Part of it is... Part of your identity is in what you do, isn't it? You know, you, 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 you work at something for long enough, it becomes part of you, doesn't it? So it is part of what you do, but it's not all of what you do. You see, your identity is established as you love God, as you love people, and as you love yourself. You know what I mean? And all of those things need effort. They need us to establish, um, establish our work in each of those different areas. So we need to understand that, that in life, it, it's, bigger than, it's bigger than one area. It's bigger than my career. It's bigger than worship on a Sunday. It's bigger, you know, it's bigger than how I feel. It's bigger than my relationship with, with my husband or wife or my children or my friends. It's bigger than these things. They're all part of it, but they're not. And they're not the completer of your identity. So first and foremost, how do I determine my spiritual identity? The question for you is, what is God saying to you? When you read this book, what makes you come alive? Do you come alive when you read the genealogies and the histories of um, people? Some people do. Do you know what I love about the genealogies? The genealogy is like, this is legit stuff. This isn't someone just coming up. There is a timeline that fits perfectly from Adam all the way through to Jesus. You know what I mean? The genealogies are important. So some people are going to get a kick out of that. Hey, they're going to get an absolute kick out of it and they're going to go, man, you know, God, you know, God did an amazing work and it all fits together perfectly. You know, it's exciting stuff. Anyone get excited about genealogies? Hands up. Look, there's one, one of you. Fantastic. Let's give her a hand. We need people. All these other people are just focused on themselves. You're focused on the genealogies of 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 the history of the Lord. What an amazing person. What about the wisdom books? You know, the Proverbs. Who loves the Proverbs? 
Aren't the proverbs great? You know, they, they, if you read it, you know, they say read a proverb every day um, of, of, of the week. I mean, every day of the month and you'll get through, you know, except for Proverbs 31, you know, eight times a year you won't be able to read Proverbs 31. But, you know, that's all right. The prophetic books, aren't the prophetic books amazing? Who loves the prophetic books? Who loves the Acts? Aren't the Acts cool? My gosh, man, some business went down in the Acts, didn't they? It was pretty amazing. The Psalms are great. You know, it's like this journey of this manic depressant almost, isn't it? He's like, oh my gosh, where are you, Lord? And then he's like, you're amazing, Lord. Where are you? You know, who feels like that sometimes? You know, you go on this journey of, God, you're amazing. God, where are you? Oh my gosh, you're amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's inspiring that a man after God's own heart can have such a, you know, tumultuous ride. And uh, it's encouraging. Creation. Who loves the creation story? I love the creation story. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's where, it's where the, the work is established. You know, be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion. You know what I mean? He's, he's, there's some serious, like, man, go. There's, there's some go happening in Genesis just as much as there is in, when Jesus says go, isn't there? He's like, go, have dominion. I love, I love it. He says to Adam, he says, name the animals. Hey, and and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm Adam. I'm going, Lord, you should name the animals. You'd be way better at it than me. He's going, yeah, I know, but I've asked you to do it. Of course I'd be better at it. But he's asked you to do it. See, this is the thing. You've got this individual little, these little squiggly lines on your finger that, that makes you different to everybody else. And there's a little bit of God's nature and his character and his image that is in you that's a little bit different to everyone else that he wants you to impart to the world. And only you can impart it. And you need to discover your spiritual identity. And you do that by getting excited about different parts of his word. Get into his word and find out what excites you and then just become, spend the next 10,000 hours of your life getting amazing at it. It's so simple. What about prophetic, what words of encouragement have you had? What prophetic words have been spoken into your life? You know, we, we, there's, you know there's, there's so many aspects of, of our spiritual identity that, that we can stir up. Hey, we, get, we get engaged with different things. There's the gifts of the Spirit. There's prophetic words that have been spoken. There's, there's things that you just naturally, you know, you just go, oh my gosh, I see things that other people don't see. I've got a discernment that other people, that other people don't have. So I'm going to stir up my character. I'm going to stir up my attitude. I'm going to stir up my gift in those areas and, and determine my spiritual identity. Jesus says, you know, if we, want to, if, we, if we want to see with our spiritual sense, we need to deny our physical senses. Not forever, but just to engage our spiritual senses. If you deny, deny eating for a little while, you know, you, you'll, you'll get stirred up. If you deny it for too long, you will you know, be buried. So we, do, we, we deny our physical senses for a reason, so that we can stir up our spiritual senses. Jesus says, let a man deny himself. We deny our physical senses, take up his cross, spiritual responsibility, and follow me. Do what you see the Father doing. Mrs. Fuller was sharing with me about, um, who's the guy who carried the cross? What's that guy's name of the movie and the cross? Carried a cross around the world? Arthur Blessed. I remembered myself. Arthur Blessed carried this cross around the world, and I, I, I love it. You know the revelation I got out of watching that movie uh, it's, is that 
It says, let a man deny himself, physical sense. And it says, take up his cross. And you know what I loved about you know, the cross is that there was no missing that cross, was there? You know, he's, if you haven't seen the movie, get it. It's great. It's a great doco on this guy's life. He cruises around the world and he's through the jungle, cutting this cross, all this crazy stuff. And Jesus says, carry your cross, right? Here's the thing. We, you know, a lot of us have a covert cross. It's like an invisible one. Anyone got an invisible cross? You know, you carry it into work. Don't say too much. It's not too visible. Day to day to day. And then on Sunday, whoop, out she comes. There it is, everybody. Hey. He says, carry your cross. He says, a cross, you know, there, I, I think that the beauty of carrying a cross is it is not invisible. It's very visible. Your spiritual identity is visible in every aspect of your life when you carry your cross. You deny yourself, you carry your cross, and you do what he does. You know, this is the simplicity. He says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. His spirit testifies to your spirit. Think about immigrants. They say the chances of success of an immigrant is something like 10 times the chances of success of someone born in Australia. Do you know why? Because if, you're, if you move to Australia from another country, if, if you, everything that you know about your culture, everything you understand about how the government works, everything you understand about how business works is irrelevant here. So it's been denied already. So you step into a new environment and you go, okay, how does the government work? How does business work? How do people work? How does marketing work? And you look at all those things and you discover how it actually works here and then you have a higher chance of becoming successful. Whereas when we grow up in a nation, we go, where's my job? You know? Where's my handout? What's going on? You know, I'm entitled. I'm an Australian citizen. Why are all these, these immigrants getting all the good jobs? They're not getting all the good jobs because they're immigrants. They're getting it because they have established themselves in a community. They understand how it works. They look at the market. They look at the business. They look at the government. It's time to wake up, Australia. Wake up, Australia, and discover the nation that you live in and be present in it. It's time not to be offended that there's not an opportunity for you. It's time to get engaged in what already exists and release that spirit that's been poured out on all flesh. It's time to release it, church. Well, it's 11 o'clock. Why doesn't the band jump up? I've got no idea where we're going here, but look, we'll, get, we'll continue this next week and we'll continue along the lines of... of you know, we've talked a little bit about who am I, who's my spiritual identity. I want to talk to you next week about who's your identity in community. Who's your, and who are you when you're by yourself? These are important things. And so we'll go on with that next week. And uh, I'll just share you one thing about your relational identity. You know, the, the children of Israel, um, there, were five, there were 12 tribes in the children of Israel. And... And all those tribes actually had a different thing that they were known for. And uh, we see the descendants of Judah. They always led into battle with worship. We see the, Simeon, the children of Simeon. They were men of valor. We see the Levites. They owned no land. They were priests. We see the sons of Issachar. They, knew the, they understood the times and the seasons. We see the sons of Zebulun. They were experts in weapons of war. And they also had a love for water activities. You know, we see Asher. They were good in business. You know, there's all these things that, that, that differentiate us from each other. And they're great things. You know, the things that, that differentiate you from me enable you to reach a people 
that I can never reach and vice versa. So I want you to be encouraged that, that it's not just about establishing yourself in a, in a spiritual identity. You need to understand who you are in community. It's a key part of you, if you, if you being um, engaged in your community, is to know how am I going to relate to my community. You relate to your community out of who you are. So why don't you stand with me this morning? Tozer says this. He says this. He says, Men have no peace in their hearts because God is not king there. Men have no peace in their hearts because God is, has, is not king there. He is not crowned in your heart. If he is not crowned in your heart, if he is not established in your heart, then you will have a life of no peace. So the first thing is in the establishment of your identity is to make sure that he is the king of your heart. See, your heart is the centerpiece of your motivation. And he wants all of it. And he's not just wanting bits and pieces of your heart. He is not, this is not a question of, I want this part. He says, I want all of your heart. Because I have a work, I have, a, I have a, something to establish in humanity through you, and it's going to require you to give me all of your heart. He who loses his life for my sake will find it, says the Lord. The grace of God that brings salvation, the grace of God that that is going to co-create a life with you, a life of adventure, a life that's interesting, a life that is is full of, 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 of abundance of relationship and wealth. That grace is coming towards you right now. And the question is, what are you going to do with that grace that's going to come into it? Are you going to allow it into your heart? Are you going to allow him to establish truth in your heart? Are you going to allow him to stir up the hopes in your heart? Are you going to allow him to, to do a, a new work and to bless you? And are you going to allow him to, to, to be established as king right in here? Why doesn't everyone bow their heads and close their eyes this morning? See, if you don't have Christ as your saviour, there is no better time than right now to change that fact. The grace of God that brings salvation, that brings eternal life, is before you right now and he's inviting you to step into a relationship with him. He's inviting you to believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth that he is Lord and that he died and rose again just for you. If that's you right now, if you want to accept Jesus as your saviour, why don't you raise your hand? If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord, if you want to establish him as the king of your heart this morning, why don't you raise your hand right now? Thank you, Father. Thanks for that hand. I see that. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Thank you. Why don't you repeat after me, church? We're going to pray together. Those people who raised their hand, those two people who raised their hand. We're going to pray with you this morning. I want you to repeat after me, but we're all going to repeat together as we establish this new connection, this new relationship with the King of all kings. So repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your one and only Son to set me free 
and to give me relationship with you. I confess that I have been a sinner and am in need of grace. And I receive that grace today. And I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord Jesus. And I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead to set me free. And I thank you now that I am standing with my family, my brothers and sisters, born again by the blood of the Lamb. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.